Even he, little as he knew of battles, could soon see that the Archenlanders and Narnians had won. The only living Calarmines he could see were prisoners, the castle gates were wide open, and King Loon and King Edmund were shaking hands across the battering ram. From the circle of lords and warriors around them, there arose a sound of breathless and excited, but obviously cheerful conversation. And then suddenly it all united and swelled into a great roar of laughter. Welcome to the Chronicles of Podcast, where we are doing a chapter-by-chapter deep dive into the Chronicles of Narnia by C.S. Lewis. I'm Chase. And I'm Kel. Thank you guys for joining us today. Just a reminder that today we are talking about the third book in the series, The Horse and His Boy. But general spoiler warning for the whole Narnia series, as well as a heads up that we do tend to go on to tangents and other stories that we enjoy. So we'll do our best to give spoiler warnings along the way if there's anything too far out there. But today we are discussing The Horse and His Boy, Chapter 13, The Fight at Anvard. Jace, I'd love to give you a summary real quick if you would allow me to do the, the honor of that. Allow uh, it. Okay, cool. Uh, but the army rides off into battle. Corrin and Shasta are at the back because, you know, they don't want to be seen. But they're apparently near the giants who, you know, Peter was fighting in the north, but we're going to allow them to be here. Uh, and Lucy asked where the prince had gotten off to. And Edmund said uh, it was well enough that he was not at the front line. Shasta tells Corrin about his adventures and how he had learned to ride from a horse, so he didn't know how to use the reins. And Corrin gives him the basic lessons and tells Shasta about their trip sailing from Tashban. Wow, what fun they're having. As they rode through the pass into Argentland, Shasta realized how narrow it was along the cliff's edge and how the lion, Aslan, had kept him safe the whole time by walking on his left when he couldn't see. Really sweet, Aslan, that's kind. They crossed the neck of the pass, and the army rearranged into a battle formation. They rounded the bend to see the castle of Anvard defending against a battering ram. The Calamine troops turned to see the oncoming army, and the two forces clashed quickly. Shasta went scared into the battle, lost his sword quickly, and then slipped off his horse. You know, because he's a 12-year-old. Uh, then, for some reason, we shift perspective to the hermit for Sunday night football with the commentary by the hermit. Uh, he's uh, talking with Bree and Erebus and Hwin. He's looking into a smooth pool where he can see everything that's going on anywhere in the world and somewhere in the rest of the world. We're not going to deal with that, the you know implications of this. What we are going to do is we're going to watch the scene of the battle unfold uh, as if you know getting magical football commentary from the hermit. Um, the hermit narrates the battle to the other three who could not interpret the pool as clearly. They watch as Rabadash had a tree felled to ram the gates and even saw Bree's old master, the Tarkin. They then watched the two army lines clash and also watched Shasta go confused into battle and fall from his horse. And they couldn't see his fate. Maybe he's dead. How am I to know? Then King Loon joined the battle and they watched him. Uh, they watched as one by one prominent Calamines were defeated until the battle was over. We returned to Shasta, who, thank God, didn't die. Uh, so that's cool. Uh, he sat up and uh, saw that the Narnians and Archlanders had won. The victors laugh, and as they found Prince Rabadash somehow suspended up on the castle walls, pinned on a hook on the wall that had caught his chainmail as he jumped down from the wall. Rabadash yelled for Edmund to let him down and fight him like a man, and Edmund would have. But King Loon is like, no, you don't deserve the honor of fighting a nobleman after attacking during peacetime without defiance. So instead, we're going to do what we always do, torture you. Oh, 
So the men carry Rabadash away, making a fool of himself in the process. Then Koran runs to Shasta and pulls him up before the king. Uh, the king points out that Koran should not have been in the battle, but he also looked proud of his son for fighting because what a what a little scamp. What came next surprised Shasta is the king embraced him and kissed him on both cheeks. On both cheeks, he then placed both boys before the court and explained that none could doubt as cheers rang out. Uh, though Shasta didn't quite know what they were referring to, could be anything. Who could know? Who could say? It hasn't been say? said every single chapter for like the last five chapters. Do you think that these two boys who look the exact same could be? No, no one could doubt it. No one could doubt it. Except for maybe Shasta, because he has no idea what they're referring to. Shasta and Corrin still have no clue what's going on. They're just like, yeah. isn't this great? We look like each other. <laughs> just like, hey, we're quick buddies, right? This is real TN to Mara Maori stuff, where it's like, they were separated and being like, ha, look at that. And then their parents are like, um, yeah, y'all are twins. How did you find each other? This is, I mean, it's the parent this trap. Parent they trap? parent trap. Insert movie or TV show about twins here. Uh, this is, if if they don't pierce Shasta's ear, we're missing out. We're missing out on some quality content. If this is the parent trap, there's no doubt in my mind that Corin is the British one. Yeah. And Shasta is the American because Americans are slobs. Yeah. Even though the American Even one. Massive yeah. mansion. On a vineyard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely not like not poor or not country, which is what they try to make him out to be. Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, that's a uh, that's tough. But Chase, we've uh, we we finally are making we're making our way to the battle, and uh, you know, Corn and Shasta are just riding along with the giants. Yeah, how is literally no one paying attention to where the prince, the heir of the kingdom, you're literally riding Correct, to yeah. war to defend right now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How is no one paying attention to where he ran off to as you're marching into the battle? Well, he I'm sure he's fine. I mean, what's the worst that could happen? Uh, you know, he you know, he gets sucked into war and dies. I mean, yeah. come on. Which like what are the chances so, of that? Oh, yeah. pretty high? Oh. Yeah. Oh. Narnians, not good babysitters. Narnians are not good babysitters. You know Which, what? Like, uh, Edmund's attitude though tells you so much about Corin's personality. Because he's yeah. like, well. As long as he's not on the front lines, let's just not, yeah, not ask. Chances of him actually seeing battle, even if he's in the midst of this army, slim. Turns out, not so slim. Uh, but yeah, I've got especially questions. Especially after they rearrange, but right, like it says that they're with the giants. I guess the giants are the right flank. Is this Grumble Buff uh, or what? Whatever Grumble Buffin, Grumble Muffin. Uh, is this? Rumble is he Huffin? still alive? Uh, Oh man, I hope so. That's cool. Uh, but watch out for it, his giant feet. Yeah, he. That's what I've heard, man. Uh, but yeah, so they're just marching along. They're having a grand old time, Chase. They are good friends. Hey, friend. I know we're about to head into this bloody battle, which we're going to get some detailed descriptions of how violent this battle is. Yeah. But you know what we can do? Let's share stories. Yeah. Like, also, I don't know how to ride a horse, but it's cool. But it's yeah. cool. You know who taught me how to ride a horse? A horse. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy. Right? It was wild. Uh, uh, and then... Uh, horse in this hospital. <laughs> <laughs> so Shasta goes, hey, where's Queen Susan? And Corn's like, oh, she's a care paravel because uh, she's a weenie. Oh, sorry. I mean, uh, she's a lady. Uh, she's, she's uh, you know, she's, 
She's not quite like Lucy, who's as good as a man, or at any rate, as good as a boy. There's yeah. some real sexist stuff going Even on. Even right? when it's feminist, it's sexist. <laughs> Even like it's like, oh yeah, gay Lucy. Oh, you were you were complimenting Lucy, and then you made it real backhanded. I mean, uh, it is very twelve-year-old boy. Sure, but also twelve-year-old boy doesn't make it good. Yeah. Uh, there are certain times when boys should not just be boys. Uh, maybe definitely not. Maybe teach Corin to like not be disrespectful to ladies, especially the queen. Like both of them. Uh, but whatever. Uh, but so, you know, it CSS does make more sense that they immediately tell each other their entire life stories in one sitting, just after they've met once, because that actually does make a lot more sense. That's right. For two. Two boys, uh, and uh, but you I know, feel like Robert Baratheon, just yeah, telling war stories. Yep, just Shasta and Corin getting hammered, uh, and just sharing war stories. Wait, hold on, one of those things is true. They didn't get hammered. That's good because uh, they're a last name Bessie. <laughs> but so they are telling war stories, uh, and um, you know, then they they get to this part where. Uh, it's actually kind of a cool moment. They're making their way through the past that uh, Shasta and Aslan walked, and Shasta's like, "Oh shoot, it's like super steep on this side. Like this it's is like, really narrow." It's like Aslan was the set of footprints carrying me on the beach the whole time. Sand or lion footprints in the sand and on the side of a cliff. Man, also, why did he have to be in fog if, like? He he had already chose the turn and rode down that pass to not get caught by Rapidash. Sure. Like, why, other than just giving Aslan a cool, like, space to show up in, like, why did this have to be secret, perilous cliffside journey? I mean, I guess you don't want Shasta to freak out, but I don't know. You don't like, want Shasta to know he's in Narnia until the next day? Sure. I mean, not, if we know anything about Aslan slash Jesus, it's... He's also kind of scampy and he likes to have some fun and, you know, joke around with his friends a little bit. So Aslan, like, I I wouldn't put it past him to be like, oh, man, this is going to be hilarious. He's going to wake up and be in Narnia. He's going to have no idea. What if we played that game where you put a blindfold on your friend and then make them cross international borders? Chase, (laughs) game you're referring to human trafficking? (laughs) Oh, oh, wait. (laughs) I don't I don't know if we could. I don't know if we can hang out anymore, man. <laughs> this is uh, this is uh, maybe 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 this is a good place to end the podcast. Uh, well, uh, bye everybody. It's been real. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Chase is not a smuggler, and we are very against human trafficking. Please, yeah, definitely, definitely against human trafficking. But also, like, I as I read this, I was very confused. Like, why, why the fog thing had to be that way now that we're actually getting a look at what this is chase that's not your story that's not your question to ask stop asking the reader i'm the reader of this book stop asking c.s lewis aslan all of these things that he doesn't want to tell you he's not interested stag the road has traveled by we should know stag doesn't have time for your questions man get to get to archenland run Uh, (laughs) run uh but so they, uh, you know, they make their way uh, through the little like pass, uh, and then uh, they see some eagles 
swooping up high in the air, and Corin goes, they smell battle. They know we're preparing a feed for them. What a dark... What? Like, as we'll learn later, one of them is the oldest of all eagles. Because, yeah, sure. Oh man, are these the eagles from from Middle Earth? Why couldn't these eagles have just picked up Shasta back in Tashban? If they had just flown Shasta so that he could destroy the ring in Mount Doom, wouldn't this? Oh, sorry, so that he could have you know been brought to Archenland quicker, wouldn't this have all been resolved? Oh. That's not your story, Gal. It's not know. your story. Stag doesn't have time for this. Uh, so, uh, but like, what a dark line, man. Like, and this sets the tone for this battle, which we've mentioned. This is a kid's book. In the previous book, we definitely gave C.S. Lewis crap for being like, oh, this battle's coming and we're about to fight the White Witch and it's done. Like yeah. this one, C.S. Lewis is going to give you some descriptions we get down to troop arrangements. Troop arrangements. We're going to get like detailed who is dying at what, like by whose hand. And like in certain instances, like how in very like detailed manner. But what we do, what happens that is the same as the last book is we get no information on what happens to Shasta. <laughs> so this is the ridiculous part. So we get this whole troop arrangement where they're like, okay, cool. The cats are going to go over here and the giants are going to go over here and the archers are going to go over here. Okay, cool. They brought a battering ram. This is what we're going to do. All right, everyone charge. Uh, and they're, you know, everyone's like, they're going and they're about to, you know, they're like the two armies collide because the Calamines turn and, uh, you know, they're looking at each other. And then Shasta is dreadfully frightened and he's like this is this is a this is, this is one of my favorite lines because he's he's trying to psych himself up and he goes if you funk this f-u-n-k want to make sure that this is like associated with the if you funk this still a family funk friendly every battle all your life now or never so hey if you screw this place up, football if you screw this up you'll be a screw up your whole life uh, thanks, uh, kid with the dad who's way <laughs> too overbearing in a peewee football game. Yeah. Uh, but so he runs into battle without knowing how to fight, uh, and his sword immediately gets knocked out of his hands, and he gets tangled up in his reins, and he falls off the horse. Uh, luckily, he like dodges a you know spear because he you know fell off the horse, uh, and then as soon as you're like, what happened to Shasta? C.S. Lewis is like. But it's not worth it to try to describe it from Shasta's point of view because he's worthless. Uh, but instead, we bring you to Sunday night, Sunday night football with the hermit from the Southern Marsh. Yeah, Mark. yeah, he's uh, he's Heimdall, but with koi fish instead of a sword. He's Dude, uh, this is the creepiest thing. So, like the we've I think we mentioned him previously with this relation to Heimdall. Yeah, Heimdall and the Hermit are both real sketchy. They can see yeah. anyone. They're both anyone. watching Natalie Portman at all times. And I don't like it. It's not okay. You don't have consent for this, Hermit and Heimdall. Like, get your act together. Stop being voyeurs uh, and, you know, get out of here. Uh, but he's like, so we, we learned that the Hermit can use his pool to see anything that he wants to see in the world outside of his uh, hermitage. Uh, and he, you know, 
anywhere in in Narnia, you know, in the whole country, like the whole land, we assume, uh, you know, we can he can see just about everywhere. Apparently, uh, there's cities south of uh, Kalerman. Sure. So it's like, hey, you know, he he can more or less see everywhere in this world. Who's to say he can, you know, like like not just see anyone and everything he wants to, uh, but the re- like C.S. Lewis is going to skip by all of the weird connotations of this. And he's going to go, but what it's really convenient for is watching the battle and allowing me to give you a description of the battle from someone's perspective without it being Shasta because he sucks. And it's not just one person's perspective, but it's everyone's perspective because, like, this is a football commentary. This is a. Why why would you have the narrator do the narrator's job when you could use a plot device to try to do the narrator's job for him? A plot device that introduces some really creepy connotations. It works out for everyone. Uh, Great. Is this is this the like you know the episode of Futurama where he builds a box with the universe inside of it? Yes. Yep. Yep. Is this the pool from the Wood Between the Worlds? I I think it has to be right. It's just kind of feels like it. And he's done some sort of magic to be able to like use it not just as like a teleportation thing, but more as a like, as a viewing vehicle. I have to imagine that if Diggory and them had had the right spells in the wood between the worlds, they could have seen into. Yeah. Give Diggory enough time. And he's probably going to be able to do a lot with these pools. Cause they only had like rings that had a very specific function. Mm. Now the real question chase is where is the pool in earth? Uh, is it Barton Springs? It probably not Barton Springs because you don't want that to affect the salamanders. Um, That's right. Yeah, because they would definitely find their way into the into the wood between the worlds. And this then, feels like it could fit into like a Shangri La type, mm, like, where it kind of like only appears like very sporadically. It's kind of hidden. Yeah, and and then when you find it in the mummy, you can use it to heal yourself also for some reason. Sure, sure. sure. That that tracks. But so we we go back to the uh, you know the color commentary from Hermit, uh, and he is letting us know that you know Rabadash he's he is telling uh, Erevis and Bree and Wynn, uh, you know all of this so that the reader can know all of this. Uh, well, you know they don't have they can't see as well as he can. they can't see as well it, you know he's got practice of, of peeping and so he knows exactly what to look for uh and so he's like oh cool like so you know the eagles that's an old eagle uh that's the oldest of all eagles uh and you know he's going through all these things and so he, many details that we don't need <laughs> he's letting us know that rabidash you know cut a tree down earlier in that day like uh, that's why you know they were coming out of the woods carrying it as a ram. Would have been smarter to make it into ladders so they could climb the wall. But Rabidash is an idiot, and he, so he didn't think of doing that. So he, uh, he would have ran when he had a chance. Yeah, uh, and so and then he's like, okay, cool. And like, here's all of these uh, Calamines that we've never met before. Here's their names: Corridan and Azru and Clamahash and Ilgamand and like. It's like okay. Cool. And then uh, Bree is like, hey, that's my old master, Enredin. And Erebus is like, shush. And then we get back to color commentary. Uh, we just need to know that Bree's old master is in the battle. Yeah. Uh, so that if we will watch died, him die. Oh, we will, for sure. 
And then he's like, okay, cool. Oh, they're they're hitting the the gates with the battering ram, and uh, oh, what's this? Uh, like, oh, the Narnian army is here. That's great. And like, this is awesome. And there's King Edmund, and you know, there's Lucy. She's behind the archers, and uh, oh, the cats are coming around the line, and uh, oh, oh, and uh. What what's that like? Oh, they're they're fighting uh, amongst them. Like they're they're riding to meet the Narnians. Uh, oh no, there's Prince Corin and Shasta. Oh shoot, <laughs> it's uh, Corin is fighting like a man. He's killed a Calarmine. What? <laughs> you know, just casual murder. Corin, a twelve year old. You know, it's really good for a twelve year old's mental health. Uh, murder. Murder train. Train. It's perfect. It's perfect for coin. So he's killed a calamine. Love this. Uh, and uh like so rabbit he's like, oh, Rabidash and Edmund almost met then, but oh they got separated. And Erebus is like, but what about Shasta? And then Hermit just goes on a dunk sesh of Shasta. I think this book needs to be renamed uh Shasta Sucks. Uh and, or like everybody hates Shasta. It is the main theme. Everybody hates Shasta feels right. Because the hermit's like, oh, the fool, poor brave little fool. He knows nothing about his work. He's making no use at all of his shield. His whole side's exposed. He has the faintest idea of what to do with these swords. Oh, he's remembered it now. He's waving it wildly. Oh, nearly cut his own pony's heads off. Uh, he'll, he will in a moment if he's not careful. Oh, it's been knocked out of his hand now. Uh, oh, it's murder sending a child in about. He can't live five minutes. Duck, you fool. Oh, he's down. Yeah. And then, they, like the three, the three people behind him go killed? Question mark. And, and he goes, "How can I tell?" Back to the battle. And then he just yeah. now, skips over. Side note and spoiler alert for the end of this book. Again, we've said it so many times, so it's really not a spoiler at this point. But I want to see the sitcom following up to this book of Shasta and Corin's adventures in the castle as Shasta adjusts to being a prince, even though he was poor his whole life, called Everybody Hates Shasta. Everybody Hates Shasta. This is the prince life. Uh, uh, followed it, by the prince life on deck, which is really just... Uh, it's them on their, voyage on their the boat. Oh, yes, that's, that's actually a fair point. Uh, I respect it. Uh, but they're definitely way dead by then. Uh, but... So are a lot of people in this book. So we get back to the battle. We're, you know, finding out that the, you know, all the Narnians are fighting. We really like this battle is better, but we still. Yes. It's, it's also pretty boring. Yeah. And basically, to summarize the entire battle, the Narnians are on one side and then King Loon comes out on the other side and they basically just sandwich the Calamines in the middle and crush them. More, more or less. But when King Loon comes out, Chase, he comes out with the brothers Dare. And Darren on each side of them. Besides them are Tran Char and Cole and Colin. <laughs> I know his name is actually Colin, but I like to think that it's Colin uh, because, like, the naming, the nomenclature in Arch and Land with Core, and uh, as we will eventually see, spoiler alert, Corin, or Corin and spoiler alert, Core. Uh, oh, and uh, I forgot about and, that. Dare and Darren, Cole, Colin. I just like to think that they're just like, oh, shoot, we have a lot of twins. Name them the same. Don't care. 
Yep. One of them can have a, one of them can have an actual name, uh, and one of them just make their name shorter. It's the classic Aaron Aspair. It's uh, if you lose one, you've still got the other. It worked out for King Loon. He got yep. him back, but you know he wasn't expecting to. Yeah, it's a great thing. And so uh, then they're like, okay, cool. Like back to the battle. King Edmund is dealing marvelous strokes. He just slashed Corridan's head off. <laughs> Casual, you know. The kids' as, book, Chase. <laughs> you get a children's book. <laughs> what? Like this is this is kind of my feeling with like Star Wars movies when George Lucas is like, Star Wars is for kids. And it's like, yeah, but you kill you you cut a lot of people's heads off in Star Wars. Like that's not a kid thing. But I guess there's no blood because of lightsabers. There's definitely blood here. You know, just what you need in a children's book, a weird Casual. discussion on how the providence of God influences suffering and pain and mild Very murder good. and heads getting cho- chopped off and children murdering adults. Yeah. Classic. You know, I see no issues here. A grim uh, fairy tale. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, more or less, uh, we, you know, see the, the end of the battle where basically all of the prominent Calermines are starting to die. Breeze Tarkin dies and all of the other named, uh, you know, Calermines start, you know, falling uh, mainly at King Edmund's hand. Uh, and then he's fighting with Rabidash there. They've got a real, uh, like a Nigo Montoya and Wesley vibe. They're fighting all around the gate of the castle, jumping around and doing all these things. Uh, but he, you know, we, we get a mention that Rabidash, it looks like he's, looks like he's, you know, something's happened, uh, but he's just leaning against the castle wall. We don't really know what happened. Uh, Edmund's still killing a bunch of people and making a bunch of people surrender. And then I guess the battle's done now. Everyone's having a good time and the Archenlanders uh, and the Narnians start coming together and all the Calermines that are alive are prisoners. Uh, make sure that we know that there's a lot of dead Calermines. Yeah. Um, and I uh, cut back to Shasta, who turns out didn't die because oh, thank God. And just the safety lesson we needed for our children's book. Apparently, horses are less likely to step on you than you'd think. So I it's fine so. lay down by their feet. It's. I. Uh, I mean, I don't trust this <laughs> wisdom. I feel like horses will step on me it's, if I'm around their feet in the middle of a battle. No, no, it's it's not as likely as you think, Cal. You should try it. I where are you getting your stats here? From Stag doesn't have time for stats. Stag just telling you that Shasta's okay. Two hundred, got it. <laughs> got it. Shasta's alive. Boom. All I needed to know. That's uh, I mean, pretty much. Then of course, all the winners go and stand in a circle to laugh at the loser. One of my favorite high school pastimes. I do love is, to make people laugh. So, what happens to Rabidash is that apparently he was fighting and. Uh, he, you know, jumped off of like this little, like, you know, wall thing and his mail, like his armor gets stuck on a hook and he's just hanging there real Neville Longbottom style, uh, just chilling, being an idiot, being super lame, just hanging and like his feet are flailing and everyone's laughing at him because he looks stupid. Let me down so I can murder you all. Yeah. Uh, And so he's like, Edmund, let me down and fight me like a man. Uh, And King Edmund's like, bet, let's do this. And King Loon is like, no, absolutely not. Uh, King Loon is dead. 
both King, literally and metaphorically. King, King Dad, King uh, which is also uh, Aslan, but he's he's not a tame dad, so uh, we don't really talk about him as much. King Luna's dad to be like, no, you're not going to fight him. <laughs> you you quit that, Edmund. You stop that. It's basically, and his like more or less what he tells him is is like, hey, if you had challenged Edmund a week ago, like I would, you know. I'd be all for this. Like you do it. Uh, and like anyone, like anyone in Narnia would have taken this challenge, like from King Edmund down to the smallest talking mouse, which is quite a dunk on Rabidash. Uh, but the fact that like a talking mouse would fight him. Uh, good foreshadowing for the next week. Yeah. Uh, and so, but he goes, but you attacked us in peacetime uh, without any notice, without any provocation. Uh, you have, you've proved yourself to be a traitor. And, uh, you've like, we're going to whip you, uh, and like make you suffer and torture you, uh, before, uh, like before you die, because you don't deserve the like honor of being killed in a, uh, like a duel. And it's like, oh, cool. So we're just casually mentioning that, like, like I'm like in wartime, like this makes sense, but also like you're casually mentioning that you're about to just torture this guy in the middle of a kid's book. I mean, C.S. Lewis is definitely pro torture. <laughs> it's yeah. uh, anything you do in the name of Aslan. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, and anything good done in the name of Tash for is for Aslan. Yeah, but the good oh, news, good. or you know, or at least it's it's bittersweet here. Rabadash, he's not really worried about torture, uh, but what he is really worried about is being humiliated and made to look ridiculous because. Everyone in Tashban always took him really seriously. And so, like, even though his body's going to be broken and his back is going to be whipped to shreds, his pride is going to be the thing that hurts the most. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So and, like, also his body because he's yeah. going to. Yeah, his body's going to be in a lot of pain. But, like, mainly his pride. Um, do you know who my father is, though? And then his father is like, new king who dis. Yeah. <laughs> His father is like, I already told you I was going to disown you if this happens, so bye. You freaking idiot. We've had this discussion already. The stag don't have time for you, so yeah, I'm sorry. And so, notice to, uh, to Tash. Yeah. So Rabidash, he's uh, you know humiliated, he's crying, it's real rough. And then Corin's like, here he is, Dad, here he is, like, and uh, and he's like, well, here you are. First of all, yeah. Like, why did you like? I, yeah, he's like, why did you go into battle? But also, he's really proud that his son went into battle and killed some grown men. He's wow. like, oh, just like me back in my day. But yeah. This is real Robert Baratheon vibes. Here. Oh yeah, it's very it it's very classic dad, and like not even just like this story, dad, but like it's a very dad move to both can't approve of what you did, but also it's kind of dope and I'm, I'm impressed. This is, uh, this is uh, Arthur Weasley in Chamber of Secrets uh, at the very beginning when Molly is like, your sons took that flying car of yours uh, for, a, for uh, you know, a spin and picked up Harry Potter and uh, Arthur's immediate reaction is like, oh, how'd it run? Was it great? Yep. And they're like, yeah. And he's like, oh, I mean, bad. Don't do that. <laughs> it's uh it's the incredible it's the incredibles. You ran how fast? Wow. <laughs> it's I I'm a big fan uh of this, uh, but it's also like maybe not in the middle of a battle. Like if this was like 
Corin being like, hey, you know, you did something like really cool, like athletically inclined. Awesome. Sure. But like putting himself in the middle of like death. Yeah. But to be fair, if Corin had come to him on a normal week and been like, dad, I killed three dudes. It'd be a different conversation. You'd be like, I'm proud of you, son. Ah, that's my boy. That's my boy, just like your old man. (laughs) Also a serial killer. But like, we also, like, yeah, it is what it is. But so he, he's like, you know, you shouldn't have done that. Wink. Like, glad you did. Uh, But, you know, he was uh, real proud of him. uh, And like, he, he's like his, his, you know, second in command, Lord Darren, uh, next, also, uh, you know, brother of Lord Dare, uh, is like, his highness would not be your son if he didn't inherit your conditions. Uh, you know, it would, it would have re- say about Shasta though, uh, that he sucks and he's, you know, not actually worthy of the throne, uh, because he's, you know, poor. Uh, he rides like a nobleman. Yes. Mm, I wonder. Uh, hmm. but none can doubt. None can doubt, but uh, the Darren goes, it would grieve your majesty more if he had to be reproved for the opposite fault. So he's like, hey, like, which is also the fault that Shasta has. Like, yeah. he is a coward and is not good at fighting. Uh, but he's like, hey, what would you feel worse about? Your son sneaking into battle and killing some people? Or, you know, your son being a coward and avoiding battle? Or your son sneaking into battle and dying because he sucks? Yeah. He's like, oh. Well, well, what's worse, your son sneaking into battle and killing some people, or your son sneaking into battle and getting knocked off his horse and being knocked out for a few minutes? Oh, hey, Shasta. <laughs> oh, my, my other boy. And so, but let me let me hug you and kiss you on the cheeks, even though you don't know what's happening. Yes. So that's what this is. How the chapter ends is Shasta is just real confused about everything happening, and then the next thing that happens is King Dad grabs him up into a big old bear hug, kisses him on the cheeks, and sits him down in front of everyone. And he says, stand here together, boys. Let all the courts see you. Hold up your heads. Now, gentlemen, look on them both. Has any man any doubt? And Shasta's like, doubt of what? What is going on? And Everyone's cheering, and the chapter ends. So doesn't matter. It'd be anything. I wonder what they're cheering about. It's so crazy that the two kids look the exact same. Man, I mean, people keep saying how they look like twins, but man, I wonder what they're cheering about, huh? Uh, yeah. What could it be? I guess we'll never know until yeah. next time. Wink. Tune in next time. But Chase, uh, you know, we fought the battle, and we're 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 here at the end. Uh, do you have anything else before we we dive further up and further in? I'm good. Awesome. Uh, so I will dive further up uh, and further in uh, first. Uh, my, uh, my further up and further end is the youth in battle, the, uh, the inexperienced, uh, fighter. Uh, you're going to see this a lot in, you know, different literature, different stories where this is, this is the person who's really not meant to be in the battle. Uh, and they go in anyway, this is Shasta, you know, obviously Corin probably shouldn't have been in the battle, but he at least held his own. He killed some countermeans, real casual. Shasta was obviously not meant to be in this position. He's not meant to be a fighter. He's not meant to be someone who is in the middle of war, uh, but he's thrown in because that's what happens in in, in the stories is, you know, uh, the, the, the protagonist often has to, even if they're not meant for this. This is Bilbo uh, at the end of The Hobbit uh, in a very similar situation 
you know, going to fight in the Battle of the Five Armies. And then he gets knocked out almost immediately. Uh, this is uh, Luke uh, in, you know, the first Star Wars. And like even into the second one a little bit where he's not a very good sword fighter. He's not a good lightsaber artist. He's not a like strong, you know, martial warrior kind of thing. Uh, really until like the end, he is not the person who is meant like the, it's this idea of inexperience forcing you into battle and you don't do well. Shasta didn't do well in this battle, but he still got to be around the winning side. Uh, and, you know, if there was a sequel to horse and his boy, uh, the horses and their children or something like that, there would probably be another battle where, you know, uh, Shasta does better where he's able to overcome the odds and be a better warrior. But this is the, the like showing the realistic, like, Hey, you're not always really good immediately. Uh, this is, you know, why people enjoyed the, you know, Spider-Man homecoming with Tom on was like, he's got to learn how to be a good Spider-Man and uh, into the spider verse when, uh, you know, you see, um, Oh my gosh, I'm blanking on his name right now. Um, but uh, when you see, the like new Spider-Man like training and he's not good at what he's doing. Like people like to see this where it's like, if you're automatically just really good at fighting and killing and doing all these things, it's kind of unrealistic. Uh, but you have to kind of learn and you're thrown in with never having sword experience. This is more likely than the line, the witch in the wardrobe when immediately Peter is killing everyone. And, you know, he's directing people in war and like coming up with good strategies and, you know, Edmund and him are fighting the white witch. This is the, you know, the trope that is much more realistic and people tend to like appreciate it because that's what actually would happen. If I've learned anything from the legend of Zelda, it's that a magic sword can uh, take you a long way, but as long as it transforms you into like a, you know, noble warrior or a wolf. But um, what a weird game. Anyways, uh, my further up and further in is about the humiliation of the bad guy. Uh, so this is a fun trope that shows up in a lot of children's stories, especially. But you also see it in like every Disney movie and all sorts of TV shows and storytelling. Uh, it's a classic. Uh, the bad guy getting egg on the face. And in this one. It is really comical. Rabidash just happens to have a tear in the back of his armor so that when he's jumping off of a ledge, going to come down on his sword with his sword onto a group, he gets caught on a hook and hangs on the wall and is pretty much captures himself for the opposing army to laugh at him and take him prisoner. Um, it's honestly worse for them that... It's worse for Rabidash than if he had just been like slayed in battle. It's, but we get to see the arrogance and the grandiose evil of the villain become comical when the sword is no longer in his hand. And that is the, the trope that is really being played with here. Um, and in turn, the humiliation of the enemy also becomes vindication of the good guys. Because if you've been working hard against the bad guy, knowing the damage that he could do, and you not only defeat him, but then he ends up looking really dumb and he's stripped of the ability to even be threatening anymore. It's a more complete victory and it leaves the characters feeling more of a sense of relief and success. And, uh, and yeah, it just makes it more fun. So yeah, it shows you to be all the more right because look how dumb that guy is. We thought we were scared of him. Only like 50 people died. Yeah. Casual. 
but most of them are calamine, so it's fine. Yeah. Uh, Chase, I'm I'm stuck on this hook and I'm flailing around, but while I get myself off here, uh, I'm a coward. I I would if you allowed me to. Uh, but while I, you know, trying to get off this this ledge, uh, can you tell our listeners where they can, uh, you know, help us, uh, you know, fight more battles? Yeah, if you're a coward and you want to fight me, uh, you can do so <laughs> on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, really wherever you get your podcasts. You could also go on Instagram and uh, track along with us at Chronicles of Podcasts, where we post when we uh, release episodes and throughout the week, you can engage with us there. And uh, while you're listening to this podcast, wherever you can find it, feel free to leave a review. Five stars, please, uh, wherever you get that to help other people find it. And yeah, in general, continue listening. We're almost through this book and we'll be starting, what is it, Prince Caspian next? That feels right. Caspian comes before Don Treadle. It's, uh, it's, it's good. I know the series... This is uh, this is Harry Potter, right? So when does Voldemort show up? Is that the fourth book? It's taken forever for him to get into this. I mean, yeah, it, honestly, real complaint about the uh, original Harry Potter books. But anyways, Kel, we fought the battle. We've been knocked off our horse. I'm a little dizzy and queasy after uh, after almost getting that spear thrown at me. Uh, and is this podcast I'll, dead? Oh no. Find out next week. (laughs) Maybe see you then. Yeah, I I like to think of Archenland kind of like Wales, where it's like, uh, you know, super cool, like the country, but they don't matter. Yeah, really weird accent, but, uh, you know, weird nomenclature, you know, strange names, uh, but in the grand scheme of things, really doesn't apply to anything. In the rest of the series, Archerland will not apply.